Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hello, everyone, and good afternoon. I'm very happy to be here today, and I'm also excited and a bit nervous. Um, my name is Daniela. I'm a youth leader here at Birmingham Vineyard. And today is an all-age service, which means we've got a lovely youth. We've got some kids around the youth table, which that will do. And we've got our lovely adults with new and old people who come to church. Um, Today, I want us to look at our hearts and minds in our relationship with God, but mainly his heart for us through the last chapter of the book of Hosea. But before we go into the word, I have a question for you, and there's no right or wrong answer. So what is the first thing you think of when you hear the word welcome? Have a short chat with people around your table and then be prepared to feedback because I'm a youth leader and I I like asking questions. Right, are we ready to come back? Thank you. Right, so is anyone who'd like to share before I name some? Thank you. Mm, good one. Anyone else? Oh, Josh? Good one. So, the thing you do at a small group, basically. <laughs> Lorelai, last one? Church, I love that. So, the word welcome is defined in most dictionaries as accepting with pleasure the presence of someone. Perhaps a moment when a friend invited you over for, ch- uh, over for dinner... First day at church, when you are greeted by lovely people at the door, or maybe your first day at a new job or a new school. In these cases, we we were welcomed by people. But today, I want us to look at God's heart for us and his attitude towards us when we decide to come back to him and how he is welcoming us. God's door is is always open for us, and he can't wait for us to come back. Now, I'm going to need the youth to come up with the doors because we love an interactive service, and we love our youth. So we've all been through ups and downs in our journey with God and life in general, and I'd like to tell you a bit about my journey and the welcome I received from God. I grew up in Romania, and my next-door neighbors were a family of Christians who loved the Lord. I was friends with one of their daughters, and I used to sneak out to go to church with them, telling my parents that I'm going to their house to play. That's when I knocked for the first time at God's door. God's door, Jacob. I was little, but that didn't stop me from feeling his love, praying and worshipping him, wanting my actions to be good, for me to be kind with others and loving them deeply. As a teenager, I was commuting to a different city during my high school years, and that's when I had, let's just say, too many doors in front of me. An overwhelming number of experiences lined up in front of me that I believed if I would do, I would be cool. So I started opening doors such as smoking, drinking, hanging out with the wrong group of people, making fun and mocking people around me. So during these four years of high school, I went in and out through different doors and completely forgot about God. But somehow, What he has planted in my heart was still there, 
but I chose to ignore him and his work. Moving on into my adult years, I moved to the UK when I was 19, and for my disappointment, I realized that there aren't as many doors as there used to be. Why? Because, because I was on my own, in a very uncomfortable situation. No family or friends. But this was the life I always dreamed about. There was one door I always knew I wanted to open, even before I moved to the UK. And that door was called money. Growing up, not having much but enough, always left me dreaming of things my friends had, but we could never afford. So when I got my first job, my first payment, I felt truly happy, I felt independent, and I felt like life was great, and I don't need anyone or anything else now that I can finally afford to support myself. After I brought a few nice things for myself, I realized that whatever was behind that door called money cannot guarantee me constant happiness, and there will be always an I want more. Sooner or later, I found myself knocking at a different door, and that door was called friends. We are humans and we long for connection. And life can be a bit lonely sometimes. And you, feel, you find yourself wishing you had someone to do life with in your happy moments and also when you face challenges. And so I got into a group of people that seemed ideal at that time. And somehow I started reopening doors that I thought I'm never gonna open again. Finding pleasure and happiness in things that didn't guarantee that feeling for long. Not long after, my family moved to the UK and my mom was battling cancer at that time. And slowly, I had to close the doors anyway because of COVID. I felt very happy every time I was a good support for my family, but inside I was more depressed and lonelier than ever. I started becoming too obsessed and dependent on the feeling that I had to do everything. And maybe if I can do everything, Maybe I can fix my mom's health as well. But I didn't realize the impact this unhealthy thinking will have after her passing. So a year after her passing, I decided to go back to the first door I opened, which was God's door. I wasn't sure how he'll react, what he's going to be like. The, given the fact that I intentionally avoided him for so many years, I forgot about him, I blamed him, I was angry at him, and I thought he was bad for taking my mom away from me too soon. And at some point, I even wondered if God would even want me back. Now, your journey might resonate with mine in some ways or it might not. But one thing is for sure. We have all been knocking and opening doors that seemed a good idea at the time. But all things behind them doors welcomed us in a very positive way, promising us comfort, relief, happiness and even freedom. But what I realized was that the doors I opened, apart from God's door, haven't brought anything long-lasting. They, they brought heavy baggage, which we'll come back to in a bit. Thank you, Yves. Can we have a round of applause? Right, so that was my experience and my doors. And now I'm going to invite Ellen, to read the passage for us. Um, if you'd like to follow, please open your Bibles at Hosea chapter 14. Thank you, Ellen. Return, Israel, to the Lord you, your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take word with you and, re 
take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mourn war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made for in your fatherless, for you in the fatherless find compassion. I will hear, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like corn, and they will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them. But the stubbornness, <laughs> sorry, but the rebellious stumble in them. Thank you, Ellen. Now, I'm not sure how many of you still write letters to your loved ones, but I absolutely love receiving letters and cards. I find them the perfect gift. I could read them thousands and thousands of times again and still not get bored. The ones that start with, dear, and they usually carry on with something very sweet and personal that always touches my heart. And I feel like that person has put some effort in writing that for me and cares for me. Letters like this end up with something like, lots of love, I miss you or see you soon. Something positive to give you hope and assurance. Well, the last chapter of the book of Hosea is a bit like that. It's a mixture of Hosea's mind and heart for us, and it's continued by God, telling us about the life we can have through the promises he will keep when we decide to go back to him from our own turbulent ways of living. And it concludes with a very reassuring form of his love for us. Now we will be looking at the first point, which is, Dear You. Like any other letters, Hosea starts by showing his love, and this time is for Israel, but this message still applies to us today. As we learn throughout the series, Israel has done many things that God didn't like, and he felt hurt and betrayed by them. We know that Israel was worshiping idols and found comfort in that, and they put their hope and trust in man-made things rather than in God. Hosea doesn't just tell Israel to return to God. He's telling us how to repent. In verse 2, he says, Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive, receive us graciously, that we might offer the fruit of our lips. Forgiveness is a gift of love from God. It's a door that stays open all the time, ready for us to go in any minute of the day. In many books of the Bible, we hear the word repent. And one of the most famous verses are found in Matthew 4:17, And it says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But how do we repent? Repentance is on my deep stuff list because it's something that needs to be done at the right time with an open heart and it should be intentional. It should come from your heart expressing regret, of wrongdoings or sin. In the next part, Hosea is doing a very brave thing. He acknowledges his wrongdoings, matching them with the Israelites, not denying, but identifying himself as a sinner. 
Verse 3, he says, We will never say again our gods to what our own hands have made, for ye knew the fatherless find compassion. Again, the idea of being a perfect human or a perfect Christian is far from being true. Hosea wasn't perfect, and neither are we. We have all done something that wasn't very pleasing for God and most likely hurt him at some point. Remember the doors I was talking about earlier? I don't think God was very keen on most of them, but he allowed me to open them to, to understand something very valuable. And that is, he's the only one we can put our trust and lean on because he will, do, he will never do anything to hurt us. The Holy Spirit plays a very important role in repenting by helping us see what we have done wrong and renewing our mind to be more like the mind of Jesus. He convicts us and leads us to repentance. Now I'm going to ask youth to hand out some worksheets because we love working youth. And before we move on to the next point, I want us to do a practical thing. We'll take a couple of minutes to respond, and as you've hand out, they will give you some small doors in which I want you to write some things that you'd like to lock up for good, some things that you'd like to close the door into, some things that you'd like to repent for. This is between you and God, but if you want, you're more than welcome to talk to the people next to you and ask for prayer. Right, so for the next part, God took over Hosea's letter for us. God is talking about restoration, a secure future, and an eternal life with him, and how he will keep these promises to the people who come back to him. In verse 4, he says, I will hear their disobedience and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. Have you ever been in a relationship or a friendship with someone and you felt hurt by their actions? It could have been a mistake, or maybe it was intentional. No matter what, it hurt, and maybe it still hurts today. But that can apply to you too. Maybe you hurt someone. It doesn't feel nice either way. It's hard to believe that what God wants from us is a relationship with him. I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that the creator of the universe, who gave life to so many, created the sea, the stars, the sun. He wants a relationship with me? It's facts, it's true, and it's pure love. And because the Israelites chose to be unfaithful in their relationship with God, God showed them his disappointment in different ways. However, he promised them that he will restore and his promises are valid in our days too. I always find nature fascinating when seasons change, sunsets, sunrises, everything is so beautiful especially the stars, billions of tiny lights on the night sky. God is a great artist, and he didn't hesitate to write that down in this book either, linking it to his creation. In verse 5 he says, I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Hosea spoke about how sins are downfalls for us, meaning a loss of prosperity. God is picturing the refreshing and reviving effect he will have on Israel when they decide to come back to him, bringing them back to life from a dead plant to a beautiful blossomed lily. And on verse 6 he says, His splendor will be like an olive tree. 
his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Accepting and returning to God does not only give us a new perspective over our life and the trust we must put on God's plan, but also it has an impact on people around us, on our daily actions, and to the next generation coming after us. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul says, We are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the aroma of Jesus to other believers and to those who don't know him. Because we are part of the body of Christ, we are joined together in love. The way we live our lives are reflections of God's mercy and love. I've read something very interesting a few months ago, saying that you never know, you might be the only Bible a person will ever see, and you might be the only glimpse of God a person will ever experience. Just think about that. The way we act, the meaning of our words, we speak Jesus, and therefore we are part of the, of the welcome that God offers into his kingdom. Moving on into the ending of God's part in Hosea's letter, this broke my heart a little bit. He says, Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I wonder what God's voice would sound like saying this. Would it be a bit shaky, close to breaking in tears? After telling Israel his promises to them, he's once more worried of losing us, and he's trying to break the comparison the Israelites have built between God and idols. What more have I to do with idols? When I was writing this sermon, I replaced the first word with my name, and I felt God's shaky but tender voice saying, Daniela, what more have I to do with idols? And still, he was full of love. He wasn't judging me. He wasn't shouting at me, but allowed me to feel him and his pain for me being unfaithful and breaking our relationship's trust with other things that seemed better than him. He continues by saying, I will answer him and care for him. I'm like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. God made it really clear in the previous verses that he is all we need. He will restore, provide, care, and love us. Why is it so hard for the Israelites, but also for us, sometimes to see and understand this? I feel like these last verses have been God's way of saying, P.S., I love you, and then don't forget that. I'm always here when you want to come back. And finally, Hosea ends the chapter summarizing and affirming that God is a God of mercy, redemption, judgment, faithfulness, discipline, fatherly love, resurrection, and welcome. God's relentless love for us and the sacrifice he was willing to make for the mankind shows the complexity of the Creator, which is seen throughout the Bible when we see people rebel against God, he is always committed to us and doesn't want to give up on us. God's relentless love is not just for the people we read about in the Bible, but it applies to us today. God gave us free will to do whatever we want, but his arms are always open to us when we want to come back. We read in the Gospels about Jesus, miracles he performed, people he met, how he loved everyone, his perfect sinless life, 
and how he brings the whole biblical story to its fulfillment. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There have been many people trying to stop Jesus from fulfilling God's plan or stopping him from delivering the good news, throwing stones at him, mocking him, and even Satan tried to convince Jesus to give up, promising him something that seemed better than God's plan. One of the last obstacles people try to put between God and fulfilling his plan is found in Matthew 27, when Pilate is asking his guards to seal Jesus' tomb. What a funny yet ironic thing to do. A lock made by man's hand to stop God's plan? That's the moment when the entrance, the door was clear, signifying Jesus' victory for us. He was alive. And the, the open tomb really makes me believe that there's an open invitation for us to join him. He had the power to overcome death, taking away a worldly seal from the entrance, granting us with a way to a life with God, with no sin, shame, or guilt, to be filled with God's love and empowered by the Holy Spirit in everything we do. Remember the baggages from earlier? There are quite a few, and I have been collecting them over the years. But I don't have to carry them anymore. You might be wondering what's inside. Well, inside we can find shame, guilt, regret, grief, anger, jealousy, and the list can go on. When I entered God's door, he was very welcoming towards me. He gave me a room inside his house. He offered to take my baggage, and I did give some to him to put away. But sometimes I found myself carrying some of them again. In Matthew 11, 28, 30, he says, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please, and you'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I want to reassure you that no matter what baggage you're carrying today, God's heart will never change for you. He'll welcome you as you are with whatever you're carrying, and he's ready for you to return to him. He's always wanting you to give your baggage is over to him. You don't need to carry it alone. So what's stopping you from knocking at his door today? What baggages are you carrying that is so heavy? Maybe God is inviting you to give him some, some of those this afternoon. So I would like to pray now. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your victory. We thank you for the open door that you left. It's always open for us. We thank you. We thank you that we don't have to carry all the baggages ourselves and we can give it to you. We thank you that you're willing to take them away from us. What a good father you are. We thank you, Jesus, for being always with us, for being so welcome after we've done so many things that are not very pleasing to you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a good father. Holy Spirit, God. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. 
We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.